Well, good morning, Mosaic. Welcome. If we haven't met before, my name is Bill, and I'm the interim pastor here for another month. And then Kurt's coming on board, uh, which I'm really excited about, as Mike mentioned, to be our lead pastor. Uh, and then I'll stay on staff as an associate pastor. So I'm, I'm just really excited about this next season. Uh, and I'm really excited about today. I'm excited about uh, this next series that we're doing. We're kicking off a new series today called Rhythms. And this has been a series that me and Kurt have been, kind of been in communication and crafting together. I'm going to kick it off and then he's going to close out this series when he's in October. Uh, but rhythms, right? Because we have these rhythms, these natural rhythms of life. Uh, this morning was beautiful, wasn't it? I got to wake up. I got to wear my flannel for the first time in like six months. Oh man, this is my favorite shirt too. I think I've worn this probably 37,000 times, but I love this shirt. I love flannels. I love sweater weather. It's officially here. Uh, by a show of hands, who says fall is their favorite month of the year? Month? Wow, you guys are on that one too. <laughs> Good job. You guys are awake and present. I like that. But that's what I thought. Fall is, it's hard not to love fall in Nebraska. Fall is truly our greatest season because winter is the worst, <laughs> right? Spring is so unpredictable. And then summer, again, can be the worst at times. It can be brutally hot. I love the heat, but sometimes it becomes unbearable. I love the heat until our AC unit broke this week and it got up to like 88 in our house. So today was beautiful. It was a nice cold morning, had the windows open. It was great. Um, But what are these, we have these natural rhythms in our life, like seasons. And I think Nebraska, especially, we get four very distinct defined seasons. And it's a really healthy rhythm. Uh, I've, I've lived in Scotland, and that's kind of perpetual fall. Uh, and so you wouldn't say fall was your favorite month if you lived there, because every day feels like fall. I lived in California, where every day was summer. Every day was either brutally hot or a little bit hot. And it's nice at first, because you can go to the beach almost any time you want, but then you kind of just get into the lostness of perpetual Summer, And so then you get a day that it finally rains and you're like, hallelujah, like let's go running in the rain. Uh, so we have these natural rhythms like seasons. Uh, but what are the rhythms of our life that make us healthier? Uh, and what are some of those spiritual rhythms uh, that we want to think about? Last week we talked a lot about our heartbeat as a church and through our model of uh, an up, in, and out church. Up is how we relate to God. In is how we relate to each other. And out is how we relate to our city. That's the type of church we want to become. And the beauty of this series that we're going to do for the next five weeks is we're going to take each one of these rhythms and run them through the filter of up, in, and out. And so rhythms are so vital. But there's one thing that wars against healthy rhythms. There's one thing in our life that I think can be so destructive to creating healthy rhythms in our life. Uh, And I think that's the curse of busyness. Busyness. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm curious, right? How many people said above a 5? A lot of us, right? And most people, it seems like when when you talk to them, you say, how are you? And what's typically the response you get almost every single time? busy, right? You're either going to get good, oh, I'm good, or I'm busy. Life is so busy. Uh, and I think it's, it's one of those things where busyness has almost become 
it's, it's, it's almost like a, a brag disguised as a complaint. Right? I'm just so busy. Work is just so much. It's just so hard. And so what I want us to really accomplish in this series is really it's warring against busyness. Because so often what we don't realize is that we are making choices in our life. That we say yes to too many things and we say no to too few things. And we think we can handle it until we can't. And then we find ourselves in this place of drowning. And then on top of that, we think of pursuing a life of faith, a life connected to Jesus. And it just seems to be another thing in our life that just perpetuates this constant cycle of busyness. We have all the things that we have to do in our life. And then on top of that, it's like, well, you have to go to church. You got to pray. You got to read your Bible. You got to serve the poor. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to, you got to, you got to. And it seems like so much of life is about stacking things on top of each other. And so what we really want to accomplish in this series is for us not to add more to your plate, but to make every moment more intentional. So rather than saying, you need to do this rhythm or you need to do that rhythm, what it's saying is become intentional. Let this be a natural rhythm of your life. It's kind of like if you're driving in the car and your favorite song comes on the radio or your favorite song randomly shows up on your Spotify playlist, what do you do, right? You start tapping your foot. You start using your steering wheel as drums, right? You start singing, you start dancing in the car because no one can see you, no one can hear you, and so you just go for it because there's this, there's this natural rhythm in us and that natural rhythm is in us and then it flows out in the moments when the moments present itself to us. And so this is really what we want to accomplish in this series, is that we want this to be a natural rhythm, a natural outflowing of our life, living a life connected to Jesus. And so today, I think, is probably one of the most important rhythms. I would probably put this as number one on the list. Uh, Number one on the list. Uh, And today, we're going to be talking about the rhythm of rest. Rest. And you're like, really? Rest? Like that? Like, you're going to give us five rhythms to, to really pursue this life connected to faith and connected to Jesus? And you're telling me that the most important thing to do is to rest? And I'm saying yes. Absolutely. 100%. Because there's so many things in our life that we feel like we have to do. When I think what we should really pursue and what rest pursues is the things that we get to do. Uh, So yesterday this happened to me. So yesterday I woke up and I I just, I had, I had a really busy week. Oh, it was so busy, (laughs) right? (laughs) It was, it was, it was one of those, it was, there was a lot on my plate. There was a lot that needed to be accomplished. It was one of those weeks where I would wake up a lot in the middle of the night and kind of have that panic because I would remember all the things that I forgot to do that day. Or I remember all the thing, all the, the miscommunications or all the balls that were being dropped, all the things that I needed to accomplish that next day. And it seemed like so many of the nights this week were like that. Uh, and then I woke up on Saturday and I really needed to kind of put final words to paper for what I wanted to communicate this morning. And they just were not flowing. They were not coming out. It just didn't seem to turn on. And it was really just kind of frustrating me. And then I got a text from a friend, and he said, 
hey, I have a spare ticket to the game today. Do you want to go? Right? Is there any words in the English language greater than I have a spare ticket? <laughs> right? It's like, it's like a gift from heaven. But th- I was in this dilemma because I had all these things that I had to do. I felt behind for today. And I, I remember just sitting there just feeling this, this tension, this pull, because I wanted to go to the football game. But I felt like I, I, if I went, I wasn't going to be able to accomplish what I needed to accomplish. And all of a sudden in that moment, I thought, huh, I'm talking about rest <laughs> tomorrow, right? But also, this is a moment where I can choose to step into a place of, I get to do this. I get to experience life. And so I decided I'm going to the game. And then what's amazing is uh, being able to rest, being able to turn off my brain from work in that moment. When I got back to work later that afternoon, it went quickly. It went easily. It flowed out of me. And so for us, we work from a place of rest. And when we do that, uh, we end up in such a healthier rhythm of life. When we, begin to, when we begin to change the way that we say, uh, live our life, rather than living our life, all these things that we have to do, but living in the realm of get to do. And so rest, rest is something that God deeply, deeply cares about. Uh, Jesus, he says in the book of Matthew, um, let me find it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, come to me, All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The very opening pages of the scripture, Genesis chapter 1, we see God who's creating everything, right? Right at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, we see day 1, God creates uh, space and the earth. Day 2, he creates the sky. Day 3, he creates dry land. Day 4, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day five, he creates birds and flying creatures and fish in the sea. And day six, he creates all the animals who walk on dry land, including humans. And then day seven, what does God do? Genesis chapter two, verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work, all that he had done in creation, that God chooses on this day to rest. But I think this passage, it brings up some really important questions. One of which is, does God have to rest? Is God tired? Uh, is, Is this just so exhausting for him that he needs to take a day off? Or is there something more happening here? Is there something more going on here? Uh, an author that I've been really inspired by lately is uh, this man named John Walton. Uh, he writes a lot about the book of Genesis. Uh, and if you were here for the Genesis series that Eric Smith did a while back, uh, John Walton has really inspired Eric as well. And so John Walton, what he, what he says is actually day seven, is it's the pinnacle. Because what God is essentially doing is God is creating in the universe is he's creating a temple. And then on day seven, he's resting in that temple. He's entering into his cosmic temple, right? And he's joining us there. I love what he says. Uh, I want to read his words. It should be up on the screen for you guys. 
It says, when God rested on the seventh day, he's taking up his residence in the ordered system that he has brought about in the previous six days. It's not something that he does only on the seventh day. It's what he does every day thereafter. Furthermore, his rest is not just a matter of having a place of residence. He is exercising his control over this ordered system where he intends to relate to people whom he has placed there for whom he has made the system to function. And then he goes on to say later, he says, this is the element that we are sadly missing when we read the Genesis account. God has ordered the cosmos with the purpose of taking up his residence in it and ruling over it. Day seven is the reason for days one through six, is the fulfillment of God's purpose, is the fulfillment, right? So what are we getting at here? Well, like, what is, what is John Walton essentially uh, trying to say about what God is doing in this moment? Uh, essentially, what God is doing is he's joining us in this moment. He's, he's, he's entering into his creation, and he's actually able to enjoy it. Right? He's creating everything, and then he's entering into it to, to take up his rule and his reign. And he's enjoying his creation. He gets to be one with his creation. And so really what I want us to understand is that this speaks to us today. Because rest, it's less about all the things that we can't do. And it's more the way we should reframe in our minds is it's those ways that we get to enjoy. Because I, I rest, even in, in the church world, it can be a little bit controversial. Because it seems like maybe we had family members, we had people in our life growing up where it's like, oh, it's the day of rest, which means you can't go to the movies, you can't go out to eat, you can't watch TV, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. And so, so often, days of rest is all is defined by the things that we can't do. When really, what God is doing in this moment is he's describing rest as a place of enjoyment, have you ever done house repairs or paint a room or anything like that by a show of hands? Right? All of us, basically. Isn't it the most glorious moment when it's finally done and you get to sit in that room? Uh, my wife and I, we've been doing a ton of work to our house. And every time we finish a room and we can just sit in it, it just, you get to enjoy it. Right? Work leads to completion. Right? God's completed uh, his creation, and then he gets to enjoy it. And so it's this process that rest is about completion, and it's about enjoyment. And so really the question is then thrown on us is, are we pursuing completion and enjoyment in our life? Because maybe for you, you feel like nothing is complete. Maybe for you, you feel kind of like a hamster on a wheel, and you feel like you're just kind of spinning your wheels, and life just gets overwhelming. But what God is really pulling us into, this place of rest, is this place of enjoyment. These things that we actually uh, get to do. Uh, later on in the story, as we, as we continue, uh, where how God values rest is we, we open up to the next book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. The Israelites find themselves in a place of slavery, and God tells a man, Moses, he says, deliver them from Egypt. So Moses uh, delivers them from Egypt, and they end up in the desert, and God says to them, do you want to be my people? And the people said, yes, we want to be your people, God. And so then God gives them 
these commands. He gives them 10 commands to do, to live by, right? And what's fascinating is so many of them are very obvious human things like don't kill, don't steal, don't lie. It's like, well, duh. You know, so many of them are so, such obvious things. And then all of a sudden he says, uh, remember the Sabbath. Remember that day of rest. Remember how important it is. And what's even more amazing is when you read it in the text, it's fascinating how many lines are given to take rest and how few lines are given to do not murder, do not steal. Uh, I want to read it for you guys. Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or even your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then it goes on to say, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land and the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Isn't it fascinating how much this is actually being taken up in the text? To remember this day of rest. To remember that how vital and how important this is. And even from a very human standpoint, think about it, right? These things like don't, don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, those ones are fairly obvious. But how many of us fall into the trap of uh, believing like, oh, rest isn't that important right now? Uh, rest isn't that valuable of a thing, and yet it gets so much in the text. And what's even, so you have to ask yourself, what is God doing here? He has this group of slaves who are living in the desert, and he's saying to them, remember this day of rest. Remember how important it is. In this moment, what he's doing is he's giving them back their humanity. Right? They've been nothing but machines, cogs in the machine. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, you're human. You're made to enjoy this life that you've been given You are not just a machine. God is giving them their humanity back in this moment. And it's so ingrained in them not to believe that. Because even in the story uh, that we find a few chapters earlier, they're grumbling because they're in a desert. There's not much food in the desert. And so they're complaining. And then God says, okay, I'm going to give you this magical food from the sky. It's going to fall from the sky called manna. And so this manna falls from the sky and God says, You can collect it every single day of the week, but you need to eat, uh, you need to eat, take whatever you can eat that day and then throw the rest away. Don't store it because it's going to rot. And they stored it anyways, and it rotted, got full of worms. And God said, except on the sixth day, on the sixth day, you can take a double portion and you can prepare for this day of rest. And you can prepare for this day of rest because even on this day of rest, you don't even have to worry about where you're going to get your food. You won't have a worry in the world, and I just want you to rest on this day. And so in the story, this is what happens. Exodus chapter 16, starting verse 27. 
On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Because we just don't get it. <laughs> right? We just, it's just in our nature, we're so inclined to busyness. We're so inclined to just constantly working and working and working. Right? They go out and they gather, but they find none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in this place. Let when no one go out of this place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people were actually able to rest on the seventh day. Probably for the first time in a long time. And so for us, like, are we defining ourselves by our busyness? Are we defining ourselves by our work? Maybe today God really wants to just give you your humanity back to actually just enjoy life, to enjoy this life that we've been given, that it's a gift, that yes, all of us has this, have this list of things that we have to do, but what if we had this list of things that we get to do? And then we have Jesus. What does Jesus say about rest? Uh, and really, uh, when we think about, when I think about creation, uh, I think about so much of the up, right? What we talked about last week, how we relate to God. How do we relate to God and rest? It's simply rest is enjoyment. We get to enjoy this creation that God has given us. And then what God does in the book of Exodus, he says, everyone in the community take this day, right? In is this communal rest. Like we get, it's not just rest on our own, but we get to rest with our family. We get to rest with our friends. We get to enjoy this life that we've been given with each other. It's this beautiful gift that we have been given. But then we think about how do we serve people in our city? How do we go out? How do we, how do we actually uh, allow God's rest to saturate our communities and our neighborhoods in our city? Uh, there's this story uh, that Jesus, that uh, there's a lot of stories in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus uh, poses the question, can I heal this person on the Sabbath? Because the, the religious elite of the day have this belief that if you healed someone on the Sabbath, you were working and you were violating God's law. And so this is what happens. Uh, it says one day, one Sabbath, when Jesus went out to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. I'm convinced that one of the most missional things we can do as followers of Jesus, that as we look to a world that is hurting and that is broken, if we actually want to do something to help, one of the greatest things we can do is to bring rest to bring God's rest. 
in this moment, what Jesus is telling us is, is uh, he's really, I, I feel like he's doing two things here. I feel like the first thing he's doing is he's calling out the religious elite for their hypocrisy, for not truly understanding what the Sabbath is about, for not understanding what rest is about, because it's not the system of rules and regulations. Jesus actually says later, he says, uh, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, that God gave this to us as a gift, right? And if you, if you see your child in a well, or if you see your animal stuck in a hole, you're going to do something about it, aren't you? Like, you're going to work. You're going to grab that animal or that kid, and you're going to forcefully pull them out of the well, aren't you? And essentially, he's saying the same thing here. Is he saying this, this person is like a child or an animal stuck in a well. Because if you're stuck in a well, you can't experience rest. You just can't. You can't experience Sabbath when you're in that place. And so Jesus, in this moment, what he's saying and what he's doing is he's saying, I'm giving this person Sabbath for the first time in a long time. You are withholding Sabbath from this person. You are withholding rest from this person. And I'm giving it to them for the first time. And so when we think about the way that we live in the world, when we think about what God and what Jesus can do in and through us is he can bring rest. Because when you're sick, you can't rest. Have you ever had the flu and you had to take time off work and then you get back to work and people say, must have been nice to take some days off. And you're like, I've been hugging the toilet for seven days. What are you talking about? How is that restful? Because when you're sick, you cannot rest. When you are terminally ill, you cannot rest. When you are in the darkest days of depression, you cannot rest. And we've all been in those places. We've all been in that spot. And maybe you're even there today. We've been in the well. We've been in the hole. And we are desperate for rest. We are desperate for God's rest and relief. Because we feel so broken. And so what do we do? What do we do? I think what this is really teaching us, how we can actually bring rest to the world, is one, do exactly what Jesus does in this moment. Pray for healing. Pray for healing. But what this passage of scripture has done to me is it's reframed the way that I think about the character of God. Because what God wants in your life is he wants to bring healing. He wants to bring hope. And he wants to bring rest. And so maybe today you just need that. You need something supernatural in your life to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring rest. And maybe for you that's a sickness. Maybe for you that's finances. Maybe there's broken relationships or conflict and you just feel this inner turmoil and you just cannot rest. And today I believe that, man, God just wants to do something great in your life. And if you need that prayer today, I would love to pray with you. I really would. Because I truly believe that what, what healing is about, it's about bringing rest Because when we are in those places, we feel like we cannot experience rest or Sabbath. And then we think about how do we live life 
as a follower of Jesus, totally sold out? And how do we bring rest into situations is we can do that all the time. Because I'm sure there's people in your life that you know that are in the well. And it just takes you to notice them and to help them out. Have you ever had that friend that just seems to always bring rest to your life? That person in your life that you always immediately text or reach out to or hang out with anytime you feel this turmoil in your life? I know I have those people. So really for us as followers of Jesus is how do we become those people? How do we become people who bring rest, who continue this mission that Jesus was on uh, to bring rest to the world that we live in? See, rest is this beautiful, amazing, profound gift. And it is, in fact, one of the most missional things that we can do if we want to help and see Jesus do miraculous things in the world around us. And so today, it's just that. Jesus' promise in Matthew chapter 11 that I read at the beginning, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. See, I'm convinced when we experience rest and we enjoy this life that we've been given, that is truly this act of worship that we can go out in creation or we can just live our life and be with our families and share meals together and simply enjoy those moments. Those are moments of true worship where we worship and we go up, right? And then when we actually get to share rest together, when we get to reach out to our friends and say, I have a spare ticket, (laughs) right? We experience communal rest together. And then as, we, as our eyes are open and as we live this life of rest, it is a life that we want to give away. It is a life that we want to bring rest to the world around us. And we go out to our city and to our neighborhoods and to the people we're connected to. And we're always thinking in our filter, how do I bring rest? So this rhythm of rest, like I said at the beginning, this is not something that's like, Okay, you need to add this to your schedule now, right? You need to, this is another thing that you have to do. This is another thing that you have to pile on top of the constant crazy busyness of life. This is a rhythm. As we live in this rhythm of rest, it becomes part of who we are. And so maybe for you today, maybe you do need to kind of look at your time, Maybe you need to look at your days. Are you incorporating rhythms of rest every single day? Are you incorporating rhythms of rest every single week? Are you actually taking one day a week and just simply enjoying life? A day of the week where you don't have to do anything. You just get to be human again. You get to experience the goodness uh, of what we've been given. Look at your budget. Do you incorporate a portion of your money to living a life of rest? To say this, this allocation of money right here is simply so that I get to enjoy the life that I've been given. And so for us, how do we live in this rhythm? This freeing rhythm of rest. Uh, as, we, as we seek to really see amazing, beautiful things happen in our city, 
that we can be the people of rest. We can be the people who just feel this joy and this energy and this excitement. And we can also be people that invite others into rest. And we can also go out with Jesus and see him bring rest to our world today. Uh, I would love to pray with you guys. Jesus, I know there's people in this room today that feel the opposite of anything restful. Whether it's the pressures of our work, or maybe it's a a relationship that is broken, or maybe it's finances or sickness or maybe they lost someone they deeply loved and cared about. God, Holy Spirit, I pray for some miracles to happen in this room tonight. Jesus, I pray that you will bring rest. Jesus, I pray that that person that's sitting here right now will have the courage to cry out to you and say, Jesus, bring healing. Jesus, bring rest to my life, bring rest to my soul. Jesus, help us to slow down. Help us to be people that are not defined by the things that we do or the things that we accomplish. And give us back our humanity that we can just sit, we can slow down, and we can simply enjoy. And God, open our eyes to the people that we are connected to. Bring those people to the forefront of our minds today who need rest, who maybe need us just to simply reach out and say, how are you doing? Those people that need us to pray for them, to pray over them so that we can see you do a miracle right in front of us. Jesus, I thank you for the rest that you bring. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.